What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Taste. This is Bengals Live. Let's talk football. On the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Let's talk football. Presented by Bud Light, live at the Holy Grail. Brought to you by Bud Light, famous among friends. The Holy Grail, Cincinnati's home for sports. Touchdown, Bengals! On the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. And away we go, 802 on Fox Sports 1360. Hour number three from the Holy Grail Banks. Final show of the year, week number 17. We've had 34. Kevin was our 34th. Uh, player this year, including two former players. Kenny Anderson joined us for an hour. Trump uh, joined us for an yep. hour. So we had uh, 32 other Bengals, current Bengals, and uh, two former Bengals for a total of 34 this year. And uh, enjoyed each and every one of them. Always appreciate him giving us an hour to, uh, and Kevin bringing his wife, and, and she's hanging out uh, yep. as well. So always appreciate it. Yeah, it is. I mean, 30, uh, 32, you know, you got you got a 53-man roster, and you got eight pract- or as many as 10 practice squads. So, you know, we're looking at half the, half the football team making it down here, um, counting practice squad guys. So 32 out of 53, you know, that are uh, on that 53-man roster, depending on activations and deactivations, it's, it's good. We get a nice mix, and appreciate each and every one of them for sure. Again, the, the big news of the day, the Bengals in a uh, statement released right around 5 o'clock today, uh, signing head coach Marvin Lewis to a two-year contract extension through 2019. Lewis in 2018, I'm reading from the release, will extend his Bengals record head coaching tenure to 16 years, twice that of Paul Brown and Sam Weiss, who are tied for second with eight seasons apiece. Lewis, the winningest coach in Bengals history, 125 career wins. Uh, Mike Brown saying today, Marvin Lewis has been an important member of the Cincinnati community and the Bengals family for the past 15 years. We are happy to have reached this agreement. Marvin has made significant contributions during his time here. We were, uh, while recently we, we have fallen on short of expectations, we have full confidence in Marvin to reestablish winning football in 2018. Uh, your reaction, David, are, are you surprised Marvin Lewis is coming back to Cincinnati in 2018? I'm not, uh, based on Mike's, Mike's comments. And uh, I know Mike has a great relationship with Marvin. I mean, they do meet every morning. And, uh, I mean, every single morning and talk about the football team and other things as well. And they've been to each other's house for dinner, for functions, for, I mean, it's more than just a, you know, an owner-coach relationship. They, they become pretty good friends. And uh, I think Mike has a healthy respect for what Marvin's done, you know, for his franchise and wanted to uh, see if there was any, uh, any way that, that it might, might be able to continue. So I think, honestly, Paul Brown always said, don't move a coach or a player until you know you have somebody equally as good or better. And honestly, I think when Mike looked out around at the candidates, he probably said, who would do a better job than Marvin, knowing what we know about him and what he knows about us? Who would do a better job in, in getting this thing turned around faster than Marvin? And honestly, during the course of his 15 years, he has rebooted. You know, it's not like he hasn't before. So, you know, he had in, in 2011, I mean, in 2000, what was it? 10? 10. 2010. Yep. Um, you know, I had a tough year. 4 and 12 yep. to and, the playoffs. Yep. Next and year. He rebooted, and uh, he's rebooted multiple times. So, 
I think, I think with that history as well, you know, I think, I think Mike probably evaluated a lot of things and decided that's where he was going to go if Marvin wanted to do it. Now, obviously, there were two days' worth of discussions about, you know, the coaching staff, the personnel. Um, I'm sure everything was on the table. And just like in any negotiation, some things you are adamant about, some things you concede on both parties. So, you know, who knows what was agreed to and uh, how they're going to proceed, you know, accordingly. But I do, I do believe that there's enough respect there for each other that in the end, like Marvin has said many times, it's a mutual decision. All decisions, we end up on the same page. It may take us a while to get to wherever that page is, but we end up on the same page. So... I wonder, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to change, but I wonder how much influ- more influence Marvin may have in some of those pages. From a, from a coaching staff standpoint, we, we were led to believe that all the assistance contracts were up. Yep. So now does this begin a process between Mike and Marvin of deciding, I'd like to retain this one, I'm not, I, I would prefer to move on from the is – it, is it back and forth between the two? Is it starting completely fresh with, with a whole new group? How, how, does that, how do you see that unfolding? I'm sure that was one of the biggest topics of conversation. And uh, I'm sure there will be changes. Marvin pretty much alluded to it, yep. that there are going to be changes. Now, how drastic, how, uh, how all-encompassing, soon to find out. You know, it may be that Paul Gunther goes to Oakland with John Gruden, that, which has been reported – Jason LaConfora of CBS reported uh, around 5.30 that Paul is departing to pursue other options, which previously have been reported as John Gruden's defensive coordinator. Right. And Jay and Paul are best friends. And Paul, the Bengals blocked him going with Jay to Washington as a defensive coordinator. But it looks like this time they may say it's okay to go, obviously, potentially. So... If you go from one position to another, unless John Gruden makes an assistant head coach slash defensive coordinator or associate head coach slash defense coordinator, I personally believe that John Gruden is going to put together what he thinks is a dream team coaching staff and use every title he can use to get guys that wouldn't be just a lateral move, associate head coach, assistant head coach, whatever head coach, and then have you know maybe a, a, a coordinator – uh, that isn't really the coordinator. Paul Gunther is, but he's the associate head coach, but he's running the defense. And so who, who knows? Because it's, it's historic. I mean, it's, it's, it's history in the making. If he does get ownership, and I just I can't believe the can of worms that opens. I mean, what would Bill Belichick look for if John Gruden gets partial ownership of the Oakland Raiders? I mean, all the other owners have to sign off on that. And if they, you know, <laughs> if they want to open that can of worms, I mean, I hear it's uh, Gruden's deal is uh, 10 years, 8 million a year, 80 million for 10 years. Ooh. I don't know if I need ownership. That's pretty good. That's pretty Ooh. good eats. So, Man. you know, um, if that's if that's really the case, and so I think basically Jay thought so much of Paul, and obviously John trusts Jay, and I think John thinks a lot of Paul as well. So that would make sense to me that he would potentially go out there um, and be part of that dream team coaching staff. And uh, who knows, the one other thing about Marvin, when you're in this situation now where there's a lot of head coaching turnover, a lot of head coaching change, who, what head coach can put together the best staff? How many, who has more friends in the league than Marvin? I mean, Marvin can call any coach on any team and say, really, we'd like you to come here and be my coordinator. I'd like you to come here 
be my line coach, like to come here and be my linebacker coach, like you to come here and be whatever. I mean, he has more relationships after 15 years in the league as a head coach than any coach in football, other than Bill Belichick, obviously. So, you know, and Andy Reid's been around longer, but mm -hmm. Marvin's been with the same team. But, I mean, 15 years, you know everybody. So I think Marvin's banging the phones pretty hard. And if he has been allowed to, given a little bit more freedom as to who he can go approach, I mean, it might be interesting. It might be exciting to see who he brings in as a coaching staff. Because I've said this for a while. To me, the head coach is important, but who is his staff? And if I'm interviewing any candidate, who's your offense coordinator? Who's your defense coordinator? Give me a phone number. Give me an email. I want to contact him directly. I don't want just your word saying he's coming. I want to be able to talk to him and say, are you coming with him or not? And, you know, because if somebody has this unbelievable coaching staff, sure, you've got to confirm. You've got to do your due diligence. So I think... When Marvin had his great run, five straight playoffs, look yep. at who his coordinators were. Yep, Hugh and Zimmer. And, and Jay. Yep. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that says something. So, uh, you know, it's, I think, I think because those guys are with the players every single day in, in meeting rooms and all that. Marvin is a pretty hands-on guy. Players, all the players say, like the ones tonight, you can go into his office and talk about anything, football, life, whatever it may be. Um, Marvin, Marvin feels like, Part of the responsibility is developing the guys into more responsible, mature young men that are good husbands, good fathers, good community members. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, I, so I, my thing is, what is the staff going to be? Decide to bring Marvin back. I don't think he can be status quo across the board. There's got to be changes, and I think Marvin alluded to the fact that they're coming. Yeah, and if we, if we assume for the sake of this conversation that Paul Gunther is, in fact, headed to L.A. or to, to, the, to the Raiders, that's a significant, no disrespect to the pecking order of the coaching chain, but a defensive coordinator is a significant hire, and it's also one, if, if I'm on the outside looking in, I'm thinking, wait a minute, Geno Atkins and Vontez Burvick yeah. and William Jackson III, I got difference makers Carlos at all Dunlap. three levels, Carlos you Dunlap. Two Pro Bowl. That would be an attractive, for an outsider looking in, that's an attractive gig, isn't it? You got two Pro Bowl linemen, you got a Pro Bowl linebacker, you got 18,000 first-round picks in the secondary. Yep. I mean, to me, it's like, hey, I mean, players are the biggest thing you need. They got some. They got some players. And if I'm, an, if I'm a, a young, up-and-coming defensive coach, Marvin Lewis has a reputation around the league of being a defensive mind. Obviously, with the Ravens defense, it still holds the record for fewest points allowed in a 16-game season, won the Super Bowl. They want to come coach with Marvin. They look at that as, hey, this guy has got a defensive reputation. He's been around the league for a long time, highly respected, highly regarded. This will help my career. That's why I think, you know, let's give him time to, to uh, bang the phones and see what he can set up and see what kind of a coaching staff is put together, who stays, who goes, all those kind of things, because if, all, if, if there are changes, obviously it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be. And uh, like I said before, if I'm Marvin Lewis, I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm saying, two straight losing seasons. I got to change some things the way I'm doing them too, whatever that may be. You know, if he does a, a very strong personal evaluation, maybe I'm not doing this enough. Maybe I'm doing this too much. Maybe I need to change this. Maybe I need to change that. I'm not saying you know, be a totally different person, but I'm saying you may have to approach some things differently. And what I would do in this situation, he's got a great relationship with his veteran players, call him in and say, this is an honest meeting. Tell me, what, what do you like, what don't you like? Give me some feedback. 
I, you know, I think, I think what, if you've got guys you trust, and he, and he has a bunch of good guys in that locker room, and I'm sure a lot of them would probably hold back, but, you know, at some point I'd be like, come on, I'm, serious. This, I'm trying to get us better. Tell me, you guys, I'll tell you what, I, I, yeah. what you got to yeah. do. You guys tell me what I have to do. I don't think there's anything wrong with that kind of intercourse and, di- and dialogue. Dave, I think there's going to be, uh, on the offensive side, I think just immediately coming to mind are, th- are three different positions I think will be fascinating to see what happens. James Urban is clearly a very highly thought of yep. wide receiver coach mm-hmm. uh, around the league. Um, we're ta- options. We're, yeah, options. Exactly. We're, we're talking about who they might keep. You also have to factor in who other teams might want to grab, sure. poach, and, and bring. So I, I think the dynamic of James Urban, a wide receiver. Darren Simmons. D- Darren Simmons, even in special teams. Uh, Bill Lazor is the guy who took over in season. How much of, of what he put on the table through, through what, uh, 14 weeks is worthy of reconsideration. They say it starts up front. The, the man who's been a coach on that staff longer than anybody, right. correct me if I'm wrong, is in fact Paul Alexander, You're right. correct? You're right. So those are those are interesting dynamics of if there's going to be change, does it come from someone like a Alexander who's been there longer than anybody? Does it come from a guy like Laser who's been in his position the shortest amount of anybody? I think that's going to be fascinating. I think it is too. And, you know, Paul Alexander's been around Cincinnati for 23 years, but I know in the past he has gotten um, – some play from other coaches in the league when his contract was up when he hadn't re-upped but then the Bengals re-upped him now they didn't extend contracts to the assistants either so he's up he's got 23 years experience in the National Football League maybe one of these young coaches that's getting a job his first job as a head coach says you know what I need I, I, an experienced guy like that that has been through it so much maybe he's the guy that I want to be my line coach you know it's it, it's a two-way street like we said yep. All these guys have options, and the Bengals have the right to approach them to come back or let them go to their options. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting scenario. See how it all shakes down for sure. And we're—I mean, you mentioned the timing of all this. This—this this is clearly there are musical chairs, the music's playing. There's uh, guys, there's phone calls being made, and and it's all got to be who can I bring in? And maybe while you're bringing somebody in, somebody may be on the way out who's being picked off by another team. It's it's a crucial period, right? You can't push pause and say, well, let us catch up. You have to be in the game with everybody else. And I think that's why it was imperative to get it done today because now you can get after the other things you need to do. If this had dragged on for another day, I mean, honestly, when the Bengals met with Marvin Lewis New Year's Day, whatever time it was, I'm sure at the end of that day, I mean, there's reports out there that he turned down Arizona. There are reports that Marvin Lewis turned down Arizona. So what if Arizona called him Monday night and he had met with them in the morning on, uh, or the afternoon on, on New Year's Day and New Year's Day night, Arizona calls. So now when he goes in to meet this morning, it's a different deal. I have Arizona who's interested. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden you have, you know, I, I mean, that's why from one day to the next, in this kind of environment, whew, I mean, it can, it can change quickly. It can ebb and flow, like seriously, in a matter of hours. So if you, if you seriously want to get something done, you know, again, in, in any deal that's struck like this, a two-year deal, there's negotiation, there's give and take. You know, some things you're adamant about, other things you're not quite as adamant about on, on either side. So I, they, they found enough common ground to strike another two-year deal. And in both cases, they probably thought, the devil you know is better than one you don't. You know, I think Marvin looks at this football team that he's been such a big part of and how they played at the, in the last two games with really, you know, nothing really to play for other than putting tape out there. But 
they're human beings, you know. I mean, you get behind against a team trying to win a playoff game. You know, it's, it, the, the letdown is all, you don't even realize you're doing it, but, you know, it's like it can be deflating. When they came back like they did after Baltimore took the lead, when Baltimore took the lead, I said, it'll be interesting now. Mm. Boy, they, they responded. So, I mean, I think, I think he looks at all that, and he's got a quarterback that he feels like he can win with if surrounded properly. The offensive line needs some work. Obviously, is that, uh, does that include the coach? Is a new coach in order? All these things we're going to find out about. Much more to get to in this hour. We're at the Holy Grail Banks. It's Bengals line presented by Bud Light, First Star Logistics, Bengals Radio Network, and Fox Sports 1360. At home, Paul Brown Stadium will host the Broncos, Raiders. Well, how about that, John Gruden? Will be yes. here. Saints, Buccaneers, and Dolphins. The Bengals will road trip to the Kansas City Chiefs, mm -hmm. the Chargers, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Colts. Right. Did I understand you correctly to say yes. that there is a possibility yes. Bengals at Chargers will London. be Bengals and Chargers in London? Could be. That's the word. Uh, the Bengals, uh, Chargers, could be the Chargers' turn to go to London. The Bengals are the road team for that game. So possibly back to London. So it's a flight to the West Coast or a flight to London. I guess if you're going to pick a game as a visiting team, that's the one to be the least painful because you know you're on a good trip anyway. But, man, they can have London. I, I don't want to go back there that fast. <laughs> I mean, it was fun and everything, but that flight, oh, man. That's killer? That, yeah, killer. Killer. Yeah, yes. I'm, not, I'm not good with those. Eight-hour flights or whatever they are, six hours, seven hours. Before we uh, we hit the bottom of the hour, let's wrap up some thoughts on coaches, then we'll get into players. We, we mentioned the, the offensive side of things, and, and Bill Lazor took over on the fly. We saw what they did the last couple of weeks. How, how do you assess the, the touch that Bill Lazor put on this offense in terms of going forward? I guess when we're talking possibilities of change, you always have to weigh. He tweaked the, the offensive, the, the playbook. Would somebody else, if they bring somebody else in, do they want a whole new vision? Do they want a more of a tweaked vision? Do you do, you do that with core guys like A.J. and Andy? Do you just stay the course with Bill Blazer? What, what did you make of what uh, Lazor, I mean, what did you make of his impact in, in his time? I, I think that uh, Marvin was impressed with him, impressed with his demeanor. Impressed with his intelligence. He's very, you know, very even keeled, doesn't lose his poise. Um, he's very intelligent, graduate of Cornell. So, and, he, and he's got a coaching experience, you know, with Joe Gibbs. And, I mean, it, it's pretty extensive. And it's, it's, it's like Joe Gibbs, old school, you know, Kelly, you know, new school and everything in between. Mm -hmm. And I think um, probably Marvin's thinking, you know, do I bring him back? with his input into who I bring in as assistant coaches? Or do I say to him, I'm thinking about keeping you, but here's who I'm bringing in as assistant coaches. Are you, are you good with that potentially? You know, I think there are a lot of, a lot of questions, uh, a lot of dynamics. I don't think anything is, uh, you know, cut and dried with respect to yeah. one, you know, one, one guy. I think there's yeah. a domino effect when you start to, you know, put together, you know, reassemble or, or assemble a coaching staff. First of all, like you said, you have to see who wants to stay. And if it doesn't match up with who you want to keep, mm -hmm. you know, they're going even if they don't, even if they, you know, want, don't want to stay. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, they're going yeah. even if they want to stay. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, there's going to be some interesting meetings. Um, but I think there'll be some retention, but I don't think it's going to be universal at all. I think there's going to be, you know, moves made. And again, it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. Maybe, you know, maybe during the course of the year, um, you know, guys, some of the assistants are like, maybe I need a, a new, a new uh, outlook. Maybe I need a new change, new yeah, challenge, just new, a challenge, new, yeah, different, yeah. new and different. Maybe I just need that. Maybe that's what I need in my career, and nothing more than that. But it, it, I, I would, again, if I'm an assistant coach, I would make a change just to change. It would have to be at least as good or better than what I have, because why uproot my wife and kids if I don't have to? Yeah. If I'm okay with everything, so there's decisions to be made on all levels with all parties. I just uh, saw a name pop up on Twitter as a question. Um, what, what would be your reaction to this name, assuming Paul Gunther is departing? What would you, be your thoughts on Jack Del Rio as defensive coordinator? I, I think that's a possibility. I think uh, there, there's a good relationship there, and I think Jack Del Rio is a good football coach. So I think, uh, you know, an another one that has come up is Dom Capers. You know, mm -hmm. he's not with Green Bay anymore. He and Marvin coached together in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. I know Marvin has a, a heavy dose of respect for Dom Capers, but I think Dom is on the back nine, you know, and I think that's probably the reason he, he's not in Green Bay anymore. Mm -hmm. So I, I think Marvin, Jack Del Rio is a strong possibility because I know they are friends. They, did, did they, a good chance. Were they together in, in Baltimore? Baltimore. That's, yep. that's what I thought. They were on the yep. same staff in Baltimore. Yep. So he was, the, he was the linebacker coach when Marvin was the coordinator in Baltimore. Yeah. So there's, uh, there's familiarity there. There's a healthy dose of respect there. And uh, now you've got a guy that, uh, you know, has got head coaching experience on yeah. your staff. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's never a bad thing. When you, when you go into, a, into the mode of what can I do differently, what do I need to change, having him as, a, as a, somebody, a confidant, Jim Haslett, his linebacker coach, if he stays, Jack Del Rio, his coordinator, both linebackers, both head coaches. Yep. Both, I mean, that, there's a lot of people you can draw upon. Yeah. And, you know, and, and say, you know, I, I, I want to I change some things. I want to start fresh. What do you guys suggest? What worked for you and what didn't work for you in your prior experiences? That, those kind of things are good to have. And if, if we are to believe that during the course of the last 24 hours, the conversations, and I think it's reasonable to think, it involved I need more say in who my coaches are, there, is a, there has to be a new energy to that for Marvin to be able to think, all right, let me, let me pull out this, these files that I've been keeping or I, that I know about and let me see what work I can get. There has to be an excitement to that. If we're, and I think it's reasonable, again, to believe there will be the opportunity to do some things that perhaps he wasn't able to do prior to today. I think so. You know, I, I think there has to be a, an excitement there. And um, I don't think they gave him carte blanche, though. Right. I do, right. Think, I do think that, you know, um, you know he can, he'll make suggestions for candidates to interview and if the, if the family is good with it, away they go. If they have a violent objection, that's the way it's always gone. That's why, in my opinion, you know, um, you know Marvin said every, everything's been a mutual decision. Well, how mutual? You know, what side of the mutual was the mutual, you know? And um, I, I, think, I think Marvin must have, have gotten enough feedback to where he felt comfortable that he could do some things that he truly wants to do. Take a timeout. Much more to get to. Dave Lapham, Lance McAllister, Bengals line from the Holy Grail Banks and the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network at Fox Sports 1360. 31 on News Radio. Fox Sports.
60 tonight yeah. because Xavier is playing Butler on uh, 700, and Xavier is winning at this moment 66-54 with 9.03 to go in the second half. We are uh, live at the Holy Grail Banks until 9. Lance McAllister, Dave Lapham, our final Bengals line of the season. We've talked a lot about the coaches. Let's get into some of the, the personnel. Um, I, I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on we've, we've seen two weeks of this offensive line. We've, we've seen the on-field results. How much of it is something you can pull forward in? How much does it impact your offseason thinking for the offensive line and for 2018? Well, from what I saw from about Cleveland, the Cleveland game on, they decided to attack the line of scrimmage and ran inside zone rather than mid zone. Inside zone is you get push, you, you attack the line of scrimmage. Mid zone is you're going laterally, drop stepping, and trying to position people, and they got smoked in their mid zone. They were, there were as many tackles for losses. There were big runs in the mid zone thing. So I thought when they started really coming downhill and uh, going uh, inside zone, and that was even before the young guys yeah. came on board. Um, you know, they, they showed life. Pittsburgh game before the young guys came on board in that first half. They ran the ball down their throat. I mean, they're running it, throwing it. They, they, they look great against the Steelers. So the fact that the young guys came in, and, man, those guys move people. So, you know, Westerman and Redman, and Redman, uh, congratulations to him, his son yes, Jeremiah. that's awesome. Well, I was born early Saturday morning. He didn't get a whole lot of sleep, traveled with the team out there, and I asked him after the game, I said, you okay? He said, eh, it was rough. I didn't get much sleep. I said, yeah, I, I bet. Um, but he's got a, a brand-new baby boy, and, uh, you know, he, he acquitted himself well, not as well in this game as he did in the, uh, in the Detroit game. But I think he's shown that he has got it's, – it's, um, it's country strong. I mean, I'm not saying that he goes in the weight room and lifts a million pounds, but the guy can take a plow and plow the field without a, a horse. You know, I mean, he can, he's country strong. He's just one big, strong dude. Some guys have it. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's attachments, you know, attachments, ligaments, tendons to the bones, whatever. This guy just moves people. And I think uh, I would, if I'm a new line coach coming in potentially, I'd take a look at him at right tackle. Mm. I think he's a beast. You want your most powerful drive blocker at right tackle. He, in my mind, he's the most powerful drive blocker that they've got on that football team. So, and I think he can pass protect well enough at, at uh, right tackle. I don't know about left tackle, but at right tackle I think he can. So, I don't know. Um, it is wor worst case scenario, I think Westerman and, and Redmond have shown – that they should compete inside yeah. for position. Yeah. Um, is, is Clint Bowling at left tackle a, a real thing, a, an emergency thing? I mean, how – I mean, is that could – you, could you say Clint Bowling is your starting left tackle next year? I'll tell you what, the way he played against Suggs, I, I thought he played really well. Because that's you what know? we were wondering about. He'd done it the first – but, man, he was going right. to face Suggs. How would he fare? Yeah. And, I mean, there was a lot on the line. And, uh, you know, did he dominate him? No. But Suggs didn't dominate him. Like, you know, he dominated in the first game. So um, I, I, think, I think the thing that bowling is, worst-case scenario, can play anywhere. Flexible. Yep, he can Versatile. play center, guard, tackle, right or left, doesn't matter. So you've got that guy that, you know, if he's your sixth lineman, if you have five starters and he's your sixth, you have six starters. Mm -hmm. And that's, you want to have as many starting caliber linemen as you possibly can. So he has done nothing to hurt himself in terms of showing the versatility and being able to play every spot up front. Russell Bodine is a free agent. Can you envision Russell Bodine as this team's starting center in 2018? Boy, that's a good question. I mean, 
uh, I think it all depends. A lot of it might depend on who the line who the coach offensive is. Line? Yeah. And uh, we know Paul I, Alexander has been a staunch supporter, sure. gone to bat, been very vocal that Russell Bodine's my guy. Yep. And I think I think Trey Hopkins can play it. Um, I think Clint Bowling can play it. You know, it's not like they don't have people that can play center. So I, I guess in the pecking order, how much do you go uh, salary-wise to Russell Bodine as compared to other people you may want to sign or have to sign? So that one's going to be interesting as well. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of dynamic going on with that decision. Um, and really, I mean, the new line coach, if, he does, if there is a new line coach, whoever it is that comes in, he's going to have to look at the tape and say, in my scheme, away he's fine. In my scheme, Fisher's fine. In my scheme, these guys can all play. These guys are NFL players. In my scheme, I don't have an issue. Um, and I'm sure whoever it is probably will. Well, you know, you wouldn't take the job if you didn't yeah, think you had yeah. that, kind of, that kind of possibility with them. So, I, you know, I guess we might find out if they weren't misjudged coming out of college in terms of evaluation, but they've just been underdeveloped somehow, or if, in fact, there was misjudgment coming out of college. If, in fact, Paul Alexander's not the, new line, not the uh, line coach and they go with the new one. From a skill position standpoint, um, what are your expectations for the second season of a John Ross and the third season of a Tyler Boyd? You know, I'm, I'm hopeful that John Ross falls into the William Jackson category like we talked about before where William Jackson's body betrayed him. Yep. And he went out early in training camp with a pectoral injury, had the surgery, did the mental reps, stayed with it all year long, um, you know, and then blossomed this year. I mean, I think played at a Pro Bowl level. I mean, he's, he's really – he's on the cusp of the Pro Bowl. I think he has to string together another year like this, and he's going to be a Pro Bowl player. Um, I think Ross has physical talents to play – a significant role with, with a team in the NFL with his speed and his ability to run routes with that speed. He's not a one-trick pony. He can't, mm -hmm. We never saw it, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, it was a, a wasted year because his body betrayed him. The question is, his body betrayed him in college. William Jackson's didn't. William Jackson's was kind of like an outlier. You know, is this, is, is Ross in a situation where, man, he just can't, he can't stay healthy. Tyler Eifert, you know, his pro career, unfortunately, he's not been able to stay healthy. Is John Ross in that same situation? So those things we'll only know as time unfolds. I put, um, I put A.J. Green way down on a list of things to be worried about for 2018. Right. But I am intrigued what you make out of the last five weeks or so where him and Andy didn't hook up nearly at the rate they did. Did, did, did you see anything to your eye that was different about A.J. Green? Is, was, he okay was he okay physically? Was he okay mentally? Is, is there anything there to be worried about? I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I think that the teams did a pretty good job of, of taking him away, but, you know, he's faced that before. Other great receivers in the league face it every week. He does as well. I just think that some of his routes, maybe from an alignment standpoint or the routes that he runs, a lot of his – routes up the sideline, and I know, I know why they're doing it, because the vulnerability to cover two is right up the sideline before the safety can get there. You want to try to beat the corner as close to the sideline as you can, so then the safety has too much room, to, too much ground to cover before he can have an impact hit yeah. you over the top. But his routes are so tight to the sideline, they just press him out of bounds. You know, they're, you can, if, you're, if you're looking for the ball and, and pressing, 
you can use that sideline as a 12th defender. And that happened to him more than once in Baltimore. He's, you know, we take it for granted he's Baryshnikov on the <laughs> sideline with his footwork. We take it for granted, well, he had a bet, you know, he couldn't get both feet down a couple of times where he would have had a typical A.J. Green game if he could have gotten his feet, both feet down in bounds, you know, a couple of times. So I don't think there's anything to worry about there. I think he's going to be, uh, I think he's going to be okay. And I think maybe those are the kind of things you think about, you know, maybe instead of always trying to beat cover two up the sideline, put him inside, motion him, you know, move him around more. He, he's capable of handling it. Um, but you have to make every effort you possibly can to get that dude involved. Still more to uh, take care of before we wrap things up here from the Holy Grail Banks. 840, Dave Lapham, Lance McAllister, Bengals line on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network and Fox Sports 1360. 8.44 I want to skip quickly over the defense and we'll go back to it because everybody wants to know about the draft. Um, in a perfect world, what are you looking for in the draft, maybe maybe in the 12 range specifically and then in a bigger picture as a whole? Well, I, I think that uh, with the question that you have with the young tackles, um, there's, there's a tackle, there's a couple of tackles, one from Texas, one from Notre Dame. There's a guard from Notre Dame. They're all, you know, top 15 type guys. So last year there were none. There weren't any high draft picks. It was the first time in, I think, the draft history mm. that no lineman, no offensive lineman went in the top 20, I think it was. So this year it's different. So I think, uh, I think that's why uh, the Bengals scouting department drafted a couple of them the year before, you know, or a couple of years before to get ready for that. So I, I think you get a you probably have to go in that direction. I, w I would go with one of, those, one of those young offensive linemen and just add to that mix at the tackle position. You can never have enough good tackles. You could play offensive line with five tackles. Tackles, t believe me, I know from experience, <laughs> tackles the toughest position to play in the National Football League. Tackles can kick into guard and even center easier than center and guards can kick out to tackle. So get as many of those guys as you can. I believe I'm correct in saying this. Andre Smith is a free agent, correct? Yes. Could, could you see them squeezing another year out of him or, or, or not? I could see that, you know, depending on what kind of deal he's looking for, obviously. I mean, I think that the fact that he played left tackle more than adequately, I think it might, he may get a, a little rise of interest out of more teams than people think because not only did he play right tackle pretty well, he, he hung in there at left. So having that tape... And that's what we're talking about. Yep. Your resume is, is snaps. And the eye in the sky don't lie. It tells the whole story. So I think that did nothing but help him. So I think the Bengals would be interested, you know, in, in bringing him back if, in fact, uh, the deal made sense for both parties. Speaking of being helped, as ravaged as they were on the defensive side of things down the stretch, I, I would think those snaps that, that Evans and Nickerson and guys like that got um, – Means, means something. I mean, it's something for them to look at on tape, that to, to build on, maybe draw some confidence from. Is there something there, you think? I do. I think that both of them grew immensely. I, Nickerson, when I first saw him on the field, I'm like, what? I mean, he didn't know what he didn't know it looked like. But down the stretch, he was, he was where he was supposed to be, making plays. He looked a lot better. Um, and and I, I, think, I think they both have bright futures. There's, there's no question about it. I mean, Jordan is... is tall, rangy, you know, he's going to get bigger. You know, he's 245, 
pound linebackers that could probably get up to over 250. So I, I like him. Um, he, you know, he's very athletic. He can run. He can cover. And he, I think he showed that, that he will hit you. His season ended, though, with a shoulder injury, yeah. unfortunately. That was crazy mm. when, when he and Vinny went down almost back-to-back snaps. And you're thinking, well, now you got to play nickel. You only have two linebackers left. Going to the game with four linebackers, Vinny and the Jets, three rookies. <laughs> Man. Is there, is there an obvious upgrade need that you see on the defensive side of the ball? You know, I, I, think, I think that uh, from a coverage standpoint, I'd like to see tighter coverage more often. You know, I think we dra- draft guys in the first round. They have talent to play press coverage. In my mind, I don't think we play press as much. You know, but that's, that's, a, different schema- that's a different defensive coordinator schematic. You know, it, it, all, it all fits. Mm-hmm. You know, rush coverages, all that fit. And Paul's got, you know, his concept. And, I mean, I would like to, I would like to see some of these guys. You know, they, they only had 11 interceptions on the season. Mm. Darquez Denard had two. Everybody else had one. They had 10 players with an interception. And Darquez had two. Three of them, though, were pick sixes. And a fourth should have been. You know, uh, you know, Dre picked one and took it to the yes. one, or whatever he did. So it should have been four pick sixes. But that, that's a pretty good ratio for 11 interceptions. It shows that they can, they're playmakers, you know. Yeah. They can make yeah. plays. I'd, I'd like to see him be in position to make, make more plays than the football like that. Yeah. You know, you, you, brought it, you, you touched on it, and I, I think it's a, an underappreciated aspect of what's going to take place in this offseason. If there are new coaches in different positions or coordinators, they have different ideas of what they want to ask their players to do that may not necessarily match with what the Bengals players do well, which then leads to other decisions of who you then draft or pursue in free agency or move on from because it's just not a name you're adding. It's a philosophy and a, and a scheme you're adding and, a, and, a, and an idea of doing things. Right, and, and uh, I really don't know how in concert Marvin was with Paul. I don't, I don't know. I never really, no one ever really talked about it. I don't know how in concert he was. He obviously mentioned didn't get enough down offensively. But, I, you know, I think in some cases he was disappointed in the defense as well. So he's got his own defensive mindset and principles mm-hmm. and was very successful with it. Um, but he, I mean, let's face it, it was a who's who defensive players. So it was, you know, these guys that he brought in and built this thing and Ray Lewis anchored it and, and they just they were unbelievable. But there there's talent on this on this defensive football team. So maybe maybe Jack Del Rio, who was the linebacker coach when Marvin Lewis was the defensive coordinator in Baltimore when they won that Super Bowl. Maybe I mean there's makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sense to Jack Del Rio coming here and Marvin Lewis saying, Okay, Jack, remember what we did in Baltimore? Let's reinstitute reinstitute some of that stuff here. We may not have you know, two big, massive defensive attacks like we had in Syracuse and Sam Adams. Yeah. But we do have pass rushers on the edge. We get some young pass rushers, you know, in, in Lawson and Willis. And we got some pieces. We have some components. You know, they'd be like the bullwares, you know, of, of the uh, Baltimore yeah. Ravens. So, yeah. you know, I, that would make total sense to me. I could see, I could see that being a distinct possibility. Dave, I also don't want to let Tyler Croft get lost in the shuffle because what he was a year ago in terms of production and, and, and the ability to deliver uh, and to, compared to what he was this season and the, the progress he made, he became one of Andy's go-to guys with supreme confidence. He was. I mean, he was as successful ratio-wise as Tyler Eifert was in the red zone. Tyler had more targets because they got in the red zone more the year. Tyler had, like, 
I think 11 touchdowns of his 13 were in the red zone, mm-hmm. something crazy. But Croft had a bunch in the red zone. You know, both of his touchdowns yesterday were in the red zone, and he became reliable for Andy Dalton. Andy had no qualms going to Tyler Croft. He dropped a couple. He dropped one in that game. But when, when it was on the line, when he had to make a play to score in the red zone, he was good. I think there were only two times in the red zone he was targeted that he didn't make the touchdown catch. So he, he basically, you know, became – he was another Tyler, no pun intended. He was Tyler Eifert Jr., you know, but he was Tyler Croft. If, um, if Tyler Eifert is back on one of those show-us-what-you-got-prove-it-to-us deals – um, if he wants the, the consistency of being, this is the only organization he's played for him, he knows everything, um, it, it makes it a whole lot easier to, to bring him along when you've got somebody like Croft, does it not? I mean, you, you, can, you can almost bank on Croft now, which makes it easier to roll the dice on Eifert. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I agree with you, Lance. And, and to me, you know, but now it's like, all right, pick your poison. Would you rather have him, you know, because he was turning into a better blocker, would you rather have him messing around blocking outside linebackers and defensive ends or running routes and getting plastered in the middle of the field. Which, with a bad back that's had three back surgeries, which is more dangerous? Which mm-hmm. one will – I mean, he's got 100% risk of injury in every snap, just like every player, but his risk is even higher because of his history and then the surgery. So, you know, it's like, ugh. You know, it's like you almost have to say, can he play or not? Yeah. If he's ready to play, let's work him in there and let's work him in there significantly. If he's not, let's move on. Speaking of that, Adam Jones has another year on his contract, does he not? Um, we saw Adam move into a position where we, we've wondered, could he stay ahead of father time? Could he, out, could he chase, out chase the injuries? Um, Adam got dinged up a number of times uh, this year. Um, he is still under contract, I, am I correct? Yes, I believe you um, are. Uh, yes. is, it, is it more likely than, oh, I, I guess we're, are we out of time? We're out of time. All right, then all we right. have people to thank. We, we, we want to thank Mike Mills for reminding yes. us we're out of time and for what he's done all season long. Uh, the Holy Grail Banks for hosting us. This has been fantastic. Um, everybody who has shown up week in and week out, they, Dave, I think I speak for you, they become our family. No question. Um, we, we walk in every week, and, and they're here week in and week out. Monday Wins, night reunions. losses, ties, yep, yep. you name it. And, and most of all, I, I want to thank you and the Bengals. I am honored to be asked to do this each year. Um, it is a privilege to do this show with you. I say it every year, and I mean it every year. It is, it's the most enjoyable thing I do. I learn so much uh, by sitting next to you. I learn so much listening to you. Um, on games, and, and, and I love this, and, and I look forward to hopefully doing it again next season. Lance, I do as well. You're a pro's pro, my man. Thank they you. talk about the players being a pro's pro. Nobody does his job better than Lance McAllister. Nobody prepares harder than Lance McAllister. You're a Hall of Fame pro. Thank you, Dave. Thank, thanks, everybody. Thanks, folks. Been a, uh, Happy New Year. It's been fun. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's been Bengals Line, presented by Bud Light from the Holy Grail Banks and the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network and Fox Sports 1360.